Parshas Vayelech, Shabbos Shuva, the gift of Teshuva. Our subject for tonight is, of course, Shuva Yisrael Ad Hashem Elokecha. Yom Kippur is only a few days away, and therefore, Shuva is the subject that's most important right now. It's a very big subject. Ad Hashem means all the way back to Hashem, and so it must be big. But tonight, we're going to study the introduction to Teshuva. And the preface is very important, because whatever Teshuva we're going to accomplish before Yom Kippur, after Yom Kippur too, depends on the important foundation of understanding what Teshuva means. In the first chapter of his Sharei Teshuva, Rabbeinu Yonah brings many Pesukim where Nevi'im are speaking to the Am Yisrael and encouraging them to do Teshuva. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu talking through his prophets, and he is pleading with us, Shuvu la'ashem he'emiku saro, return to me against whom you have rebelled, Yeshaya, and Shuvu banim shovavim, come back, you backsliding children. Yirmiyahu, constantly the Nevi'im are urging us, that's one of the primary reasons why Hashem sent Nevi'im in the old days, to encourage us to do Teshuva. But not only in the times of old. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is constantly reminding us to do Teshuva and giving instructions on how to return to Him. That's why He sent Mechabrim subsequently. He sent Rabbeinu Yonah to write this Sefer to remind us. The Chavis Lavavas has a section on Teshuva to remind us. The Rambam has Hilchus Teshuva to remind us. Wherever you look, all these shelves full of Sephardim are reminding us. All of these great Mechabrim, people who lived in times before, have left a legacy of reminders. Right now, you are being reminded. You are sitting here for an hour and a half, being reminded. Now, I'm not worthy of reminding you, but there were many mochichim from generation to generation, and I'm just telling you things that people bigger than me have said. And all of that is the Yad Hashem, the Hashgacha of Hashem, so that we should be urged constantly to do Teshuvah. That's why it says about Hashem, Tov Yoshur Hashem. He is good and just. Al Kain Yorochatoim Badarech. And therefore he teaches the sinners the right way. It doesn't mean he teaches them Torah. That's a different subject. Torah is a very great subject, but we are not talking about that now. He teaches sinners the way. Means that he is teaching people who have caused themselves trouble the way to climb out of the pit. He teaches them to rescue themselves before retribution starts coming upon them, before it's too late. Now, that's only because Hashem is tov yashar, because He is good and just. He wants to help us. Suppose there's a law that you cannot park in a certain place, and you know the consequences. It will cost you $25. But suppose the policeman is kind enough to walk back and forth in that place. No, no, don't park here. It will cost you money. So you'd say, that's a very benevolent administration. Not only did they make laws, but they are trying to save you from being penalized. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu does much more than that. Because even after a man already gets himself into trouble, and he's already sick with Avedus, Hashem is teaching him, showing him the way to be cured. Imagine you go to a doctor for an ailment, and the doctor tells you this and this prescription that you must take. So you're very happy now. You have something now some medicine, to relieve you from this sickness. But suppose that after giving you the prescription, the doctor would call you up twice a day to make sure. Are you taking the medicine? Every day, twice a day. I want to hear that you're feeling better. And he reminds you how to take it, the right dose at the right time. That's a good doctor. I don't know if there exists such a doctor. 
Now, all that is good and well, no question about it. But we note something else in these Pesukim, a puzzle. Because not only is the Navi reminding us and encouraging us, but he's trying to convince us that it works. He's trying to persuade us that Teshuva will actually wipe away our sins. Again and again, we are urged to come back to Hashem because He will accept you. Shuvu banim, shovavim, erpa, Return my backsliding children and I will heal your backsliding. Hashem promises, I will accept your Teshuva and forgive you. The Nevi'im are constantly telling the people, it is not too late to do Teshuva, always reminding them that they can still repair their misdeeds. Teshuva works, the Navi proclaims. Now to us, sitting here tonight, it seems that their words are unnecessary. What's the Chiddush? Of course we can do Teshuva and be forgiven. Who thought not? Every Cheder boy knows that. But we see from the Nevi'im that the people argued. Do you mean to say after all this, Hashem is going to accept our Teshuva? It can be. And HaKadosh Baruch sends a message through the Navi. Yes, never despair. You can always do teshuva. And it went back and forth. Back and forth many times. The sinners doubted that there was a way back. And Hashem constantly reiterated, Shuva Yisrael. So we see it is a conspicuous aspect of the ancient mentality that people thought that it is not easy to do teshuva, even impossible, once you pass a certain point. Today it's different. Today it seems so simple to everybody. Some people who learn the Shari Tshuva want to skip over these Pesukim. They're so repetitive, they feel. We don't have to be convinced. Of course we can do Teshuva whenever we want, and we'll be forgiven. The truth is that we are not even in a hurry, because we know that it's merchandise that we can always get. It is always around and available. We will be 20 years old, 40 years old, 80 years old. Shuv yom echad lifnei mitatecha. Even one day before we leave this world, we'll still be able to be forgiven. Anytime you want, you can open up the door, walk into the synagogue, and you have arrived. You're about tshuva now. It's all over. Of course, you will have to conform to everything in the Torah from now on, but your past you can erase. And even a man who killed somebody, an actual case, I know the man. He grew a nice big bushy black beard and put on a black hat. He accepts the Torah now. He lives like an Orthodox Jew, and it's all settled. He has no worries about the past, and surely we are safe. We never killed anyone. We did smaller sins, that's all. And so we are good and ready for tshuva. We don't need to be convinced of its effectiveness. It's a strange thing, this confident attitude, that we have more than the ancients do. It should bother us. Why is it that today we are so confident that HaKadosh Baruch Hu accepts us bitruva? We know all these things without needing to hear the Navi. Whereas our ancient ancestors were so certain about that. And they had to be constantly reassured that they could actually do teshuva. The answer is, not because they were less intelligent than we are. It's because they were more intelligent. They knew what it means to do a sin. That's what made them intelligent. They understood that a transgression against the king is serious business. You know when a man lives in a place where there is an absolute monarch, so he understands what a sin is. In the olden days, there was a king. And when the king made a law, there was no playing around with it. Anybody who transgressed that law knew that his head was risky on his shoulders. If the king would discover his transgression, he'd be finished. 
That's how it was. One time when the Mohammedans took over a certain country in Europe, they built a bridge across a big river. Now, there was a Christian who wanted to show his disrespect for the Mohammedan conquerors. So he came in the middle of the night and he set fire to the bridge. Well, they discovered who did it. When you want, you can discover. And so they took a big pole and they sharpened the end and they greased it and they stuck it into his rectum all the way up to his throat. And he was screaming. You could hear the screams all across the valley of the river. And then they hung him up near the bridge. And he was screaming there for three days. When they rebuilt the bridge, nobody touched that bridge anymore. That is how law and order was enforced in the good old days. That's why there was law and order in the good old days. Now, when the people lived with a government like that, they learned what it meant to sin against the king. And they understood that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Melech Godol Vanoira, a king to be feared, a king who intends that his laws should be obeyed. The mitzvahs, the Avedas, it's not just Eitzatova Kamash Malan. They're not just recommendations, they are commands. And it's a very big king who's commanding you. And therefore, in the good old days, people didn't deceive themselves like we do today. We think that Hashem is an easygoing father, and we are reassured beforehand that it's nothing too serious. We think he's only Avinu, and we like to forget about the Malkenu. And therefore we say, Echta ve'oshuv. We sin, but we know that we can do Teshuvah anyhow. We're confident because we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a good father. The truth is, we don't believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the real reason. To us, Hashem is just a word in the Siddur. And with a word, you could get along easily. A word will be bribed just by growing a black beard and putting on a black hat. It's all over. The past is forgotten. Oh no! There is no forgetting by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in the olden days, they understood that clearly. Their amuna was so clear. It was amuna chushis, a physical belief in Hashem, which is the real belief. And therefore they understood that they had rebelled against the king. They understood that they had done worse than burn down a little wooden bridge. And therefore, all those people who committed sins were skeptical that anything could help. They wanted to do teshuva. But what is the use? He has caught us red-handed with the goods and we're finished. They believed and they knew there was going to be punishment in this world and Puronius in the next world. People believed in Gehenim. In those days, you didn't have to convince anybody. They didn't have to come and hear drushes on Shabbat Shuvah. It was a tradition from the earliest days of mankind. And therefore, they were broken. They were dejected. And so when the Navi urged them to do Teshuvah, they didn't believe it would help. We are guilty as charged. And we're not going to fool ourselves. Of course, we'll do mitzvahs. We'll improve. We won't sin again. But what's done is done. It can't be wiped away. And so the Navi had to say it again and again to assure them that the Dal Se Chuva are not going to be closed on you if you really repent. And even if you committed many misdeeds, says Rabbeinu Yonah, and you rebelled against Hashem and were disloyal to him, he does not lock upon you the doors of Chuva. Somebody was very disloyal to Hashem, and therefore he ought to deserve that Hashem should ignore him and no longer give him the opportunity to repair the damage he did to himself. No, even to the worst persons, HaKadosh Baruch still offers the opportunity to repent. However, it's not only this understanding that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a king to be feared. There's something else that the ancients had that we are missing. 
something else that made them worried about the efficacy of teshuva. You know what we are lacking today. You might be insulted when I tell you. You'll say I'm hurling false claims against you, but what can I do? I have to say it like it is. Unlike us, our forefathers believed in the reality of the neshama, the soul. We, on the other hand, not so much. Now the neshama is a difficult subject for us to grasp because it's invisible. For our modern minds, even from minds, it's not so real because we believe in things that we see. And even though we may be from Jews, very from, and we are interested in doing good things, certainly, but the spiritual entities do not have any great reality to us. Parnasa, yes. A wife and children, yes. A home, yes. Even the Beis HaMedrash and the Beis HaKnesses, yes. A shofar and a lulav and an esrog and a sukkah, absolutely. All the things that we are capable of seeing and feeling, it's easy for us to think about and take seriously. The Nashama, on the other hand, its existence is almost ignored. Of course we admit it, but that's not enough. Understanding the Nashama means that it's more real to you than your body. That's the plain truth. Even though we can't see it or touch it, the Nashama is an entity which is even more real than the body. We think the body is something, but actually it's only a collection of gases, mostly gases, and when the time comes, it all dissipates into the air. You think the body remains in the earth. Nothing ever remains in the earth. After a while, the body disintegrates into gases, and it is wafted away into the atmosphere. That's the body. It's all imagination. Kecholom ya'uf. It's like a dream that passes away. The neshama, however, is real. Infinitely more real than the body. It's actually a chilek, eloka mimal, an emanation from Hashem. And so it's more permanent than anything else. And therefore, it is important for us to always speak to ourselves about the great subject of our inner existence, what we really are. You are an entity that transcends all physical existence. The body is not you. The time will come when you'll take off your suit of flesh and bones and leave it in the ground. In Beth David Cemetery, or wherever you bought yourself a plot, and it will begin to disintegrate. But you will still be around because you are your neshama, not your body. Now everyone takes measures to care for the health of their body. Who doesn't? Everyone wants their body to be happy and comfortable. And if there's a sickness, chas v'sholem, let's say the dreaded machala that starts with the letter C, what doesn't a person do to heal himself? He'll speak to people who know experts. He'll go to the best specialists, the top hospitals, and he'll spend all of his money, anything to save his body from destruction. Now, if a person is so careful about this body that will one day evaporate into nothing, and he should be, then how much more should he be interested in the welfare of his neshama? The soul is the most vulnerable and sensitive part of his existence, and the truth is that nothing in the world should interest him more than that. And therefore, it pays for us to listen to what Rabbeinu Yonah says about sins and the neshama. He explains that like the body, the soul is subject to certain maladies, diseases of its own kind. And when man commits a sin, he has actually put a sickness into his neshama. Now, because our belief in the neshama is so superficial, so we don't react to a statement like that. After all, would a man take his body and expose it to AIDS? Suppose a person with AIDS is sitting next to you in the bus. And he is coughing. When he coughs, droplets of moisture come out of his mouth. You'd run away from him. If need be, you'd jump out the window. 
it is a sakana gedoyla, a fatal disease, and you're not interested. But suppose the man next to you is not coughing. He's not sharing AIDS droplets with you. But he opens his mouth, and words come out of his mouth. He is talking divre minus, or litsonus, or lashen hara. So would you jump off the bus? Of course not. At best, you would disregard him. It's like disregarding the man with AIDS. Disregarding won't help you a lot. So why aren't you careful? Because your body, that's something real. So you're cautious. The neshama, it's an idea. You think about it sometimes. But it's only an idea after all. And so you're not afraid of sin. You might be lax with the mitzvah's assay or with the lot assay. You might open up a trafe book and read it. Maybe you'll listen to a radio program of Litsanas. If you're entirely Meshuggah, you'll watch TV programs. You'll say things you shouldn't, and you won't say things that you should. You'll dabble with this sin and that sin. All your days you're demonstrating that you don't believe in the existence of the Neshama. You don't really believe that the Neshama can be affected by external conditions. And that's serious business, because the disease of the Neshama is the most perilous of all illnesses, more serious, more fatal than any illness of the body. Hanefesh achotet he tamut, the sinful soul, is going to die. Yechezkel. Very many die in this world, and those who don't will find that in the next world, there is waiting for them even a worse kind of death. Absolutely. Sin is a cancer of the neshama. Not only big sins. The neshama is sensitive to the smallest of sins. Even the smallest sin, if left untreated, is a cancer that will continue to devour the neshama. If you said something mean to your wife... You're in great peril. You missed Zman Kriya Shema. It's a cancer. You forgot Kiddush Levana? Everything is big without Teshuva. Like the Choy Vesalavava says, there's no such thing as a small sin if you don't repent on it. Without Teshuva, that little sin becomes a most uncomfortable spot on your soul. I always tell you this, Mushal. Suppose you are invited to a home to stay over at night, and they give you a bed, but underneath the bed sheet, on the mattress, there is a bean. It's only one little bean. But as you are lying there, you are aware of it. That bean is pushing into you. It's very uncomfortable. You can't ignore a bean that is lying underneath you on the bed. That's what a small sin is. It's not something that you can just forget about. It's there. It's very uncomfortable. Only that it's not a bean. It's a pinpoint cancer that is consuming the neshama. There's a cancerous splotch on his neshama. And if it's untreated, then it spreads. Don't console yourself with the idea that it's only words. It's not just words. If you could see your neshama, you would see that by putting something into your mouth without a bracha, the neshama immediately becomes splotched with telltale dots of cancer. Who would be crazy enough to take a bowl of sulfuric acid and eat it? Now, once a person knows that sin means that there are tumors growing all over the neshama, chas v'sholem, tumors worse than cancer, more malignant, more dangerous, more fatal, so you begin to understand the puzzle that our Kadmonim had. How is Teshuva going to erase that? Just by fulfilling the steps of Teshuva, the Neshama will be healed. If you know what a sin is and what a Neshama is, it sounds preposterous. Imagine someone has cancer in his liver or in his lungs or a tumor on the brain. Ay, ay, ay. A tumor on the brain? You can't just wipe it away. So how can you undo a sin? If a man corrupted his neshama and introduced the fatal germs of sin and death into his soul, then how can you undo that? Can you say he never did it? 
he is sorry, ten times sorry, but it's no use. A man is dying of AIDS in the hospital. He is very sorry for the things that he did that brought him to this. What will it help him? Or he's dying of cancer. He's so sorry that he smoked for all those years? The Surgeon General warned him on every box. You'll get cancer and emphysema and this and that. But he didn't listen. Now he's sorry. He wants to fulfill all the steps of Truva now. He regrets it. It pains him that he smoked. He promises he won't do it again. No, it won't help. He'll lay there in the hospital dying anyhow. And yet, for this cancer of the neshama, for this fatal disease, something has been discovered. Along comes Hashem, the great Roy Fechoilim, who heals all. And he has invented a chesed called Teshuvah. That's what Rabbeinu Yonah tells us in his Shari Teshuvah, in the first chilek, the first paragraph. Among the benefits that Hashem Yisbaruch has bestowed upon his creatures, one of the most precious is that we can heal our souls. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us all kinds of benefits. Many of them we recognize. Some we don't. But among the greatest of the benefits is that he prepared for us a way by which we can ascend from the pit into which we fell because of our misdeeds. He gives us a path to flee from the trap of our actions. That's a tremendous kindness. A tremendous gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu invented. That it is possible for us to undo our misdeeds. You can erase past history. It's something we don't understand. We say it, but there is no logic to back it up. It should be impossible to undo your misdeeds. It's a nice goggle. People are constantly getting themselves into all kinds of trouble. And their neshamas are diseased by their actions. And yet HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given man ways of combating the sickness of his soul, which he is causing by his own deeds. He has provided us with means of protecting ourselves from the final sentence of going down early to the grave and then being judged in the world to come, which is the worst of all misfortunes. So teshuva is a miracle. A person can save himself by being sorry. A man sins, and because he regrets his misdeeds, HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a special dispensation. He changes the course of the nature of the neshama, and he allows this man to remove from his soul that blemish, that spot of cancer that was to him a peril. Of course, there are certain conditions to teshuva. It's not as simple as superficially saying sorry. But the first thing is to realize what a great miracle that is, to be capable of undoing the past, of wiping out what happened before. Don't say it's simple. It's only simple if you don't know what a sin is, what a neshama is. And therefore, it's important to always remember... What an opportunity it is that we have. Hashem is willing to cure you and remove all the stains from your souls. He'll give you a clean neshama. Elokai neshama shenatatabi. Like when you were born. Now I don't want to make light of the avoida of teshuva. It's not easy. Sometimes it's very difficult to do teshuva. To achieve a cure for your neshama depends on certain conditions that have to be fulfilled. But once a person becomes aware of what it means a neshama and what it means a chait, He's willing to put in the work. Of course he is, because he's meshuga with worry. His neshama is dotted with these little dots that show the cancer is spreading and something has to be done. He can't ignore it. Can you imagine such a fool who after the doctor tells him that the test came back and they show cancer on the liver, that he'll just ignore it? He hopes that if he doesn't think about it, so it won't affect him. A meshugana, 
Any sane person won't ignore the doctor's orders. He won't skip any medicine, any treatment, because he knows that the better the conditions are satisfied and the more careful he is, the better the cure will be. And so, you can't just hand in your application for teshuva during the Aserasimei Teshuva and be satisfied. Sometimes you have a person who hands in his application for forgiveness and right away he thinks that he's a pretty good fellow. He paid a ticket in the synagogue for Yom Kippur and he's reading the words from the Matzor. It means he went through the trouble of making an application and he thinks it's like going to the bank for a card. He puts in the application and so naturally he expects to get what he asked for. No, no. Teshuva has certain conditions. There are Sephorim you have to learn. The Shari Teshuva, the Rambam Hilchus Teshuva, the Chavis Lavavis, Shar HaTshuva, other Sephorim too. Not only to read them, you have to take the words from the Sephorim and put them into your head. The details of how you do Teshuva matter very much. How you take the medicine, which medicines, it matters. And everyone has their own sins, their own faults and character flaws. And so there's a lot to learn. And so you have to put in the time. People are busy reading other things. Some people spend hours reading novels and magazines, other things. But they don't have time to read the Machabrim who want to teach them the path to Teshuvah. But that's not our subject for tonight. How to make proper Teshuva deserves many lectures on its own. We don't have the time now. Tonight we're studying the first step, the preface, the greatest incentive to do Teshuvah. And that's understanding how miraculous it is. What a gift it is. That's number one. To know what a gift we are being offered when HaKadosh Baruch Hu extends His hand out to us. And that's why it's so valuable that when we remind ourselves about this gift, every day we say, Baruch Atah Hashem. We thank you, Hashem. That you want tshuva. We thank you for that. What does that mean? The problem is that we think we're doing a favor to Hashem, if we do Teshuvah. It's a gift from us to Hashem. We pat ourselves on the back. Oh, how nice we are. And that's why we have to remind ourselves three times a day that Hashem is the one doing the favor. There's a possibility of my neshama being healed. You're willing to accept repentance. You're willing to cleanse my soul and restore it to its original purity with which I was born. Yes, Hashem says. Like it says about those who do Teshuva, Umal Hashem Elokecha Ed Zarecha. Hashem will once more circumcise your hearts. That means He'll cure you and bring your hearts back perfectly to Him once you start doing Teshuva. Uah! Such an opportunity deserves the greatest gratitude. So we say, Baruch Atah Hashem. We thank you, Hashem. Harotzeh. You accept Teshuva. Baruch Atah Hashem means. We bend our knee to you. We don't actually bend our knees in this place. But in our minds, we are humbled. We are bent over. We thank you. We didn't expect it, Hashem. We don't deserve it. You're willing to accept us back again. It is a remarkable miracle. And it cannot be overemphasized how much we have to express gratitude for that. Baruch atah Hashem. That you are rotzeh b'tshuva. You are willing to accept our tshuva. But not only that. Not only is he willing, but he even favors us when we come back to him. He smiles upon us if we do teshuva. Haroitse means it's a rotsun. He likes us. Oh, that's even more. We didn't think of such a thing. We were happy that he let us come back at all. But he takes us back with open arms. He welcomes us back. Oh, Baruch Hashem Haroitse. You even desire teshuva. 
Now, one more thing before we conclude. We say that Hashem is Roitzebetshuva. He wants Teshuva, but we have to want it too. Just to talk about it, to thank Hashem because He wants it, that's not enough. You have to want it too. You have to desire Teshuva. And if you desire it with all your heart, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will desire it too. If you desire Teshuva, Hashem will desire it from you and He'll help you to achieve it. That's a fundamental principle in the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu conducts himself with people. In the way that a man wants to go, he will be led. It applies to everything. Usually if a man sets out to become a barber, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him success and he becomes a barber. But he has to set out. He'll start practicing on his little brother's hair. He'll tell his mother that she can save good money if she lets him give his little brother a haircut. If he's in a yeshiva, so he'll find time to ply his trade by giving haircuts to other bacharim. Sooner or later, he will succeed. It doesn't mean he becomes a perfect barber. He might make mistakes here and there. But once you make up your mind to be a barber, probably you'll end up a barber. That's the klal godol. The way a man wants to go, Hashem leads him. And once we know that's so, we understand that only if you desire teshuva, then Hashem will desire it from you. And he'll help you to achieve it. And the more you desire it with all your heart, the more HaKadosh Baruch Hu will desire to bring you back to him. But when a person doesn't have much interest in achieving forgiveness, it's Yom Kippur. It's that time of the year. And it doesn't cost any money to ask for forgiveness. So he says, Ashamnu Bagadnu. But his heart isn't into it. Then he's not ready to yet receive the gift of Teshuvah. First of all, he's not convinced that sins are so bad. They're bad, of course, but he doesn't feel like he rebelled against the king. Secondly, he doesn't ever think about his neshama and the splotches of cancer on his neshama that are fatal. And anyhow, even if his neshama is very sick, who says Hashem actually forgives sins and will cure that disease? In his heart of hearts, he still has the New York Times editorials in his mind, and therefore it's difficult for him to comprehend that there is a Hashem and neshamas and forgiveness only that he's a loyal Jew who, as a boy, adopted the ways of the Torah, where he was taught that way. And so he goes along with the formalities. It's a formality, that's all. Now, even that is a good thing. Even a formality is something, because there's no such thing as a man doing something and being divorced entirely from his words and his actions. So if you act in this way, as if you're asking for forgiveness, to a certain extent, it's so. That's why the Frum Jew shouts when he asks... Sometimes he shouts more than he actually feels. But it's advisable anyhow. Because The exteriority awakens the interiority. And by shouting, he begins to hear how important the subject is. And even if you don't, let's say you're still quite cold-hearted, but if you're fortunate enough to daven among such Jews, so a little bit rubs off on you. Nevertheless, the more a formality it is, the less it's a teshuva that heals. But when a man is asking because he has learned to feel that he is his neshama, that's his true self, and he understands what a sin does to the neshama, that's a different type of teshuva. When he understands that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the healer who forgives sins, and he heals the neshama, so he realizes that all of his future depends on achieving forgiveness. Ki imcha haslicha laman with you is the power of forgiveness in order that man should fear you, to heal him. 
when you know that without Hashem's favor and forgiveness, there is no hope in this world or the next world, and you ask for forgiveness with all your heart, that's when you really deserve it. And therefore, we are learning now the necessity of earnestly yearning to be reconciled with the Father, to be forgiven by the King. To a very big extent, it depends on the degree of your desire. Therefore, the utmost important is to be a roitse. You have to desire it. You have to want to be forgiven. That's how important it is. Ah, to desire teshuva. To desire selicha umichila. That's the first achievement. Even before you make tshuva, the first step is to be filled with gratitude that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you the opportunity. Anez gadol. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me back. He's waiting for me to do teshuva. And by means of that, my neshama will be cured again. It's like tchiyas hameisim. The cancer on my neshama will be healed. I'm so grateful to you for that. And I want to achieve that. I want to make use of that gift. It's the biggest happiness I could imagine. Everyone knows that on Moitzi Yom Kippur, it's a custom of Jews that they make a sort of Yom Tov. It's a beautiful minhag. They go home, they set a table, and everybody is in a festive mood. Everyone is eating and drinking, celebrating the achievements of Yom Kippur. But it's a mistake what people are thinking. You imagine that it's because you did such a great job on Yom Kippur, and now you are enjoying the fruits of your labor? Some people, after Ni'ilah, they're so proud of themselves. When they bow at Ma'ariv, so they're bowing to themselves. Congratulations, Chaim. You did such a good job. Oh no, don't congratulate yourself that you deserve a full pardon for whatever happened. No, that's not the right attitude. You're celebrating because you are full of gratitude that he performed for you such a great miracle, something impossible to understand, that you've been restored to Hashem's favor by means of his forgiveness. And therefore... You're so happy with regaining that favor, regaining that status as a loyal subject, that you're celebrating it. And once you've been accepted once more as a loyal subject to the king, so you'll make up your mind that all year round you want to maintain that. This gain that you achieved, that Hashem favors you, and that the king has taken you back as a loyal subject, you'd like to continue that from now on all year and all of your life. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Acquiring a Teshuvah attitude. This week, as we work on Teshuvah, I will Belineder set aside one minute each day to reflect on what we've learned about Teshuvah. A sin is a terrible cancer on the soul, more real than physical illness. Only Hashem's great kindness has decreed that Teshuvah has the power to erase that. And we must be filled with gratitude to Him, for He desires our Teshuvah.